Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Tourism Marketing Mastery. And in this episode, this is the last part of a three-part series we did with Mitch Bach from Trip School. This last bit, we are wrapping up a discussion around marketing failures that we have made. And when I say we, I mean Mitch and I, and also just some common mistakes that we've watched our clients make. And once again, if you're just tuning into this episode, Mitch and I have had the opportunity to work with hundreds of clients individually. And that just means we've been able to observe some of the mistakes that are mistakes that happen again and again and again. And we thought it would be interesting to showcase what some of those mistakes are and key learning points to take out of this. Also, if you're just tuning in, at the end of this episode, we're doing a fairly major giveaway. And you're going to have to listen to the end of the episode to actually receive that. So tune in for that. Uh, we will be mentioning it partway through the episode, and we'll be talking about where you can get that towards the end. So without further ado, let's jump into things. This on the last podcast, but I studied music in college. I studied music composition, and I don't think there's anything better that I could have studied without knowing it to prepare me for this job, because really music composition is all about build up, build up, build up. The climax is great, it's the climax, but it's fleeting. What we actually remember is how good it felt to be sort of titillated and led mm -hmm. on that journey leading up to it. It's exactly what you did by teasing out the big reveal at the end of this podcast and continued to add those little drops. It happens in storytelling naturally. If you watch a good movie, it's important that you don't know who the murderer is, that that's revealed. But along the way, your brain is puzzling it through and, and, and so I always talk about reverse engineering, understanding what the wow moment is or where the big moment is, and then saying, how can I reveal that? And, mm. and, and an example of just a New York City tour uh, that, I, that I lead is when I know that at 5.30 p.m. on Fifth Avenue at St. Thomas Church, uh, you go into this incredible space and at 5.30, the only boys choir boarding school in all of the United States sings a 20 minute choral even song concert. And it's just such a beautiful moment of revelation from on high. It doesn't matter if you're religious, it's just sublime. And listen, you've got two options as to how to bring your guests to that moment. Option one is, all right, you all have an hour to shop or I'm gonna you know, point out a few of these things along the way, but then at 5.30, we're going to have an incredible moment of hearing the boys choir sing inside St. Thomas Church and it's going to be fantastic. I hear that kind of revelation uh, so often in tour guides or in tours that I'm the secret shopper for. Option number two, this is what I do. I tell my guests, all right, and do not be late, trust me. And I want you to meet me at 55th Street at 515. Fifth and 55th at 515. They say, cool, what are we going to do? They say, just meet me there. And then they go off. They might have their moment of their free time. When they come back, they've spent an hour of their free time wondering what the heck we're about mm -hmm. to do. And then we're there. That's not where the church is located because I want to reveal the church. Yeah. It's a block away. It's just a nondescript corner. And they go, what are we doing here at this closed jewelry shop? I say, yeah. follow me. And then we start walking down. We start walking down the road. Then we arrive at this church and they look up and they go, oh my gosh, I walked by this on my way to Tiffany's and didn't even notice it. I go, yeah, take a moment and look at how incredible this is. In fact, it's so incredible, especially because they 
built this whole thing with uh, only medieval Gothic building techniques. They didn't use any modern materials or anything. That's incredible. But what's more incredible is what's inside. Follow me. We go in in silence, we sit down, and two minutes later, you have this procession of boys in Edwardian ruffles singing in Latin on their way, marching up towards the incredible altar of this church. And it's just this sublime moment of peace and tranquility. But it feels like a revelation, like a divine revelation, yeah. because I didn't give them anything to sink their teeth into ahead of time, except that we're on a journey somewhere. And you have to be a tease. You have to be confident and be a good tease because that makes the moment that much more revelatory and impressive and interesting. Yeah. Something like, I, I love where you're going with that. And the fact that you tied it into music for me was like, oh, that's, the, I hadn't thought about it before, but that is the perfect correlation between something that is, is, I mean, thousands of years old has gone into, or a thousand, a thousand year old I shouldn't say thousands, thousands of years of, of testing and science has gone into creating the cadence of music and how that elicits emotion. And you're taking that and saying, hey, how do I apply that to the tour? Not a connection I made before, but I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, the one thing that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out of what you just said that so many operators miss out on, including myself for years, is the element of unexpected. So I'm going to give an example. We were sitting in a restaurant and I was actually with a client um, and we were sitting in this restaurant and high-end restaurant, went there, got a great meal. It was like, I don't know, steak and something like it was, it was nice. And then the restaurant, um, they told us ahead of time, like, oh, if you order the special, which is the steak and whatever, um, you get a, you get a warm like cookie with it. You get this like in-house warm baked cookie. We're like, okay, that's great. And they brought it out. And that was the meal. Like they you came with this warm cookie and the client said, you know, what would have made this so much better was if they didn't tell us they were giving us the cookie, they just gave us the meal. And then they came after and said, Oh, here's some warm baked, like some fresh baked cookies from the kitchen. I feel like that would have, because it's, it's this, it's unexpected surprise. We're like, wow, that's amazing. But just the fact that they told us they were going to give it to us ahead of time almost took away from that experience. And that's the way I've talked about this a few times, but that really plays into this, this uh, tool or strategy that we use called plus one, which is by no means mine. I, I learned this from a guy named Justin King who learned it from another um, manager that was his mentor in luxury tourism. And it's asking yourself, how can I bring this element of unexpected, but it'll, you allude to the unexpected, that's just a whole nother level where you say this thing is coming and you've got this anticipation building, but you don't do a reveal until until the end um, is a great way of doing it when it comes to the, the, the bigger kind of um, key experiences you have as part of your tour. So I love both the anticipation building up to that and then just also the, the grand reveal. I'm not telling you what it is. You're going to, it's going to be a surprise. You know, I mean, you're preaching to the choir because this is everything. It's, it, it's an old tried and true marketing technique called surprise and delight, which is so cliche mm. in marketing that people are like, well, what's next? But it works. It's the toy in the Cracker Jack box. It's the just any moment on your tour where you can give your guests something they didn't see coming. And it doesn't need to just simply be, can I give them something? For example, uh, I work with a lot of 
walking to her guides and to her operators who work with an international clientele. And they often begin the tour the same way, which is, hi, what's your name? Where are you from? Sure. Germany, India, Indonesia. You know, they, you suddenly have this really valuable, interesting information about your guests. And the question is, how are you going to use that? And the answer usually is, you don't. It was an icebreaker that didn't yeah. do anything. It certainly didn't break the ice. Uh, and so I, I, first of all, this has to do with how much you know about the place that you're guiding. And this is, you know, more for city tours or urban environments. But really, it's all about, can you use that information then to deliver something that feels personal? For example, if you're doing a walking tour of the financial district of New York City and you have somebody from the Netherlands, well, my Lord, that New York City was New Netherlands, the colony, and New Amsterdam, the city. Before that, if you're not bringing in that Dutch individual into your commentary and your storytelling and saying, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder this name, so I need you to say New Netherlands uh, for me. Or just even bring it up, you know, bringing up something that connects who they are. And you can do this in so many different ways with the nationalities or the backgrounds. I, on multi-day tours, when I'm working with operators, I tell them to just have a little notebook or keep a little note on your app, on your phone, <laughs> that writes down things you've learned about your guests so you can use that information later and surprise and delight them with a reference to who they are. Uh, you know. I had this woman who was constantly complaining about the fact that in America, she was from Australia, in America, we never have enough milk uh, in our coffee that <laughs> okay. you sit down at the hotel and you get this like little, you know, this little, little eyedropper of milk to add in. And she <laughs> yeah. likes a lot of milk, you know, yeah. it was like, great. But this was a constant refrain, refrain. It was just complain, complain, complain. And so one morning, at one morning at breakfast, she sat down and uh, I, I forget her name, but I had her sit down and I said, uh, waiter, she's ready. And I had the waiter come out and deliver her a giant gallon <laughs> jug of milk <laughs> next to next to her. I said, I said well, that's, yeah, will that suffice? <laughs> And she died laughing. Yeah. Everybody on the tour died laughing. But I mean, I was taking a negative and turning it into a positive. I was individualizing or individuating the tour experience to her. And it bonded us all. It was mm -hmm. wonderful. You know, looking at negatives and turning them into positives through kind of surprise and delight is such a principal customer service technique. I think of the time just personally, uh, when I was a multi-day tour operator, uh, taking a group from Washington, D.C. up to New York City, and we got stuck in the Holland Tunnel for like three hours, got stuck in traffic, and my guests could not uh, wait to use the restroom. And they used the restroom when they came back out. They were absolutely miserable. <laughs> they finally got to use the restroom. But while they were in the restroom, I ran over the bodega, the corner store, and I bought some cheap flowers. And I said, listen, you have all been through so much. You deserve a flower. And I pulled out a bouquet of flowers that cost me $5. And I gave them each a flower. I took a photo of them. They look like they just had the best day of their lives. And all they did was flip the script, yeah. surprise and delight them with something that refocuses and reframes their attention and their energy to that positive moment rather than, oh my gosh, this was a waste of a day. Mm. We missed an activity, you know. And and so it's 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 being improvisatory, but thinking how can I 
reveal something or surprise and delight something here that changes the mood or improves the personal way in which I'm interacting and connecting with my guests. To that point as well, Mitch, and I'm sure there was an element of this coming into that experience you just talked about with the flowers. Um, one thing I learned from a mentor was if you take the effort to surprise and delight right from the get-go in the beginning, you would be shocked at the amount of things that people are willing to forgive you, the mistakes you make later on, if, you, if they know that you have all of their best interests in mind and you're putting the full effort in right from the get-go. That is such a better way of them going through that experience than they go through a neutral experience. And when I say neutral, I don't mean that you're necessarily doing a bad job, but you're just doing what's expected of you. Like, oh, we're going on this tour and we're learning things and there's a few jokes and that's kind of what's expected. So the idea is surprise and delight them on top of that in the beginning. And then if something happens later in the process, which it often does, um, there's some something that happens that you didn't expect that that is a negative. If you can take that twist on it like you did, it won't matter as much to them because they're going to say, we know that this person has our best interests at heart. We know he's putting everything he can into it. And they're willing to forgive so much more and, and never talk negatively about this tour or use that negative and actually speak positively about it later on. So just the approach from the get-go, it matters an immense amount. Absolutely. And like you said, we're usually so busy that we're just running around trying to make the tours work, trying to allocate our guides, try to make it through the next day. We're doing it with finances. Right now is really that time to kind of reflect mm -hmm. and 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 reverse engineer some of those pain points. And and you know, when when we work with operators, we just sit them down and I interview them. I say, what is the start of your tour? What is it like? And when I'm looking at the way a tour starts. I'm looking at making sure they're aware of how their guest feels and solving for that feeling. And also they're aware of what needs to be set up as kind of a foundational, almost thematic level that's going to drive the rest of the tour and making sure that that, making sure that that takes place. Uh, I worked with a food tour operator who, uh, who, who was delivering a fine, again, a fine food tour, a really mm -hmm. good food tour. But she did notice that it, it wasn't gelling, it wasn't cohering. And we redesigned the tour so that it would start at this phenomenal mural that it wouldn't end. I mean, she wasn't even including it, but she had this mural in her town of all of the various ethnic groups that had made up the town that uh, were that that told the story of how rich and interesting the culinary history of this of this of this tour is going to be. And she framed it there. She front loaded the tour with an excellent story that lays the idea that this we're in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. This is a town that was made by pioneers, by people who mm. came with ambition and they brought a little bit of their home with them. And that's what we're gonna taste today. These guys don't have names on this mural, but we can name them. Meet Mike, he was Italian. <laughs> he came here, you know, and she's, mm. she tells this personal story and she frames, she frames this food tour as saying, this is gonna be just a moment where we connect with the homes that people from afar brought to this place and we're gonna taste it and we're going to connect with it. And then every stop after that meant they were taken care of on a thematic level because they could piece together each of those food stops with that kind of mural that they had sort of created yeah. mentally and physically with their eyes. And, you know, the, 
the physical side of that is also asking how are they feeling when they arrive? Are they hot and bothered? I might have mentioned this, I think, on the last time, but I was a secret shopper for a cemetery tour down south where it yeah. was really, 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 really hot. And it was like, give us a little bottle of water. It might cost you 30, per, 30 cents per guest, but arriving and saying, I get it. It's mm. hot out. Have a swig. Yeah. And then prepping a bathroom break 20 minutes later makes <laughs> yeah. all the difference. Doesn't matter how great your stories are, how great the cemetery is, take care of those needs and design for that. I, I had a point, I actually had a point that uh, I was going to make to this, but I lost it. So <laughs> we'll, um, I can keep we'll, talking then. <laughs> oh, hold on. I was, mm, mm, mm. no, I lost it again. It was like, I was on the verge of it. Um, it was just another, another really key lesson. Um, hopefully it comes back to me at some point, but, um, oh, I remembered it. Okay. Is the, what we haven't really touched on is a mistake that I see, especially with early operators, but I'll see it across the board with operators that have been in, in business for 20 years is not being very intentional with the stories that they bring into their experience. And the reason that's a massive mistake is to not think about story is you're not giving your guests the opportunity um, to retell those stories to someone else. So if you're not giving them stories, then the guest is just gonna talk about, oh, I went here and I did this thing. But if you give them a unique story to tell, two things happen from that. They will go and they will tell that story. Arguably what you're doing if you're giving your guests stories is you're actually giving them the gift of becoming a more interesting person. And that's something that nobody really thinks about. Well, I shouldn't say nobody thinks about, but often that's not a conversation that's had in tourism is, Yes, you want to give them the story so that they can tell it and there's word of mouth, blah, blah, blah. But what you're really doing, if you think about it on a deeper level, is you are allowing that person to gather around them a crowd of friends to tell a really amazing story that you are gifting them. Um, and it, it, in a sense, it elevates their status as a, as a human, as an individual, because they have more interesting stories to tell and they're more socially um, desirable to be around, so to speak. Like that's a, a deep level of thinking about it, but that is what you're doing if you actually take the time to say, what are the stories that we're sharing here? And are they good stories that are gonna be reshared? It's so connected to the point we were making before about tour design and about wow moments is there's a very famous quote by, uh, who is it, Abin Butala, I think, who says travel, it leaves you speechless. That's the wow moment. Mm -hmm. And then turns you into a storyteller. You go home and you say, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then they did this. Can you believe it? Now, listen, what kind of story are they sharing? Is it, and then I saw the Eiffel Tower? No. Right. <laughs> it's all of those unexpected, surprising, the wow moments. Uh, it's the moments that are injected beyond expectations into a tour that they thought they were getting uh, that surpasses that. It's about exceeding expectations. And that's that's the new normal for customer service today. It's not meeting expectations, oh. it's exceeding them with all of that extra things. But, you know, storytelling, it's, it's for me, such a core of what I do as a teacher, as an educator in kind of the tourism space, I teach it to tour guides and I teach it to tour operators. And it's essentially the same point. What is storytelling versus information, right? What's the nemesis? What's storytelling's nemesis? It's information delivery. Mm -hmm. It's starting with in 1833, this happened and then this happened and then this happened, the end. Uh, there are this many stories. This is the name of the architect, the end. Your brain hears that and says, that's not important. 
that's not interesting. Or maybe it is, but it forgets it because our brains are not wired to remember that way. Our brains are, are wired to remember based on what makes us most human, emotion and connection to organizing the chaos around us. We remember movies very easily because movies are building with suspense. They're involving characters. They're connecting with us on an emotional level and they're not revealing everything at the same point. They're revealing it over time. It's really easy for us to remember a movie or a great piece of music that builds. Why is it so hard sometimes to remember the commentary that a tour guide delivers on tour? Because it's not using those same storytelling techniques that we know so well in cinema uh, and applying that to the way in which we're delivering. And I call it again, I call it a wow story. It's not everything that comes out of your mouth, but at least one moment that your guests can say, wow, I feel so connected to the place. I feel connected to each other and I feel connected to you mm. as the storyteller and as the guide. And um, that is an incredibly intentional thing that you need to do when you're looking at your material. You need to say, what within this, within this one stop on my experience, you know, I'm assuming a multi-stop kind of experience or tour, how can I hook my audience at this moment? What can I say that when I open my mouth, they're not gonna know what's coming next, yeah. but they're sold on what's happening. And then how can I continue to unfold this drama that involves a character that is connecting on an emotional level, uh, which means connecting with those themes that make us most human. Uh, and then how can I grow that into a climax and end with a zinger, end with something that it's gonna make my audience go, wow, or end in just, total silence of going, wow, it might be oh. laughing, it might be crying, or it might just be, wow, that was profound. But that kind of satisfying story is like a steak dinner versus a Big Mac. Uh -huh. um, and I think we often fall into the infotainment fast food style of tour delivery, where we're just trying to give them a good time. They're on a vacation. When in fact, they actually want more than that. They might not know they want that. But when they get it, they go, that was transformative. Mm. And that's, that's the future of travel. The, the, if, if you read about the trends in travel, it's, it's about the experience economy, which we've covered yeah. ad nauseum, but it's also about transformation. It's also about feeling that I've done something deeper, more meaningful, and I've been changed through this experience, even if it's a two-hour food tour or two-hour walking tour. Uh, it's, 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 it's probably the most crucial thing that you could spend your time working on right now. Uh, and deepening your connection and your passion with the places that you're sharing as well. Mitch, I, I think this often, it does get brushed over with, with tourism operators, um, this power of story. And the one point that you, you, it was right there sitting on a platter, but I've missed this in conversation time and time again, really until earlier this year. So as we alluded to earlier through the gift of COVID, I, I took time to, to, engage in study things, create things that I might not have otherwise. And one of those things I studied at the beginning of the year with the intention of using it in, in tourism and experience was, uh, was story and how story is written. And specifically, I was looking at the way that cinematic stories are written. And to your point saying, hey, you have to deliver an incredible emotional story. And ideally, what we're trying to do is we're trying to deliver transformation. The one thing that I'd noticed that in our stories and our own tour businesses that cinema starts with is 
a great story. The reason stories are so powerful for us as humans, because stories are meant to deliver some kind of lesson. They're meant to deliver some kind of philosophical thought that does change you. So if you want to, if you want to incite a true transformational experience, the way that you're going to do that is through amazing storytelling, as you illustrated, but you have to be very cognizant with, I'm telling a story. What is the lesson that I want somebody to take away from this story? And that's what makes it an incredible story because it, that's what brings value to me. When you're telling, like, as you said, when you're telling just here are the dates that these things were built, well, what am I, how is that supposed to make me a better person? The answer is I, I can't, I can't see the connection there. Whereas a great story, it, it shows me how do I live better as a human being? How do I show up better um, in my relationships or how do I make my life easier? That's what, I, that's what stories are meant to construe. And that's why it's the thing, the one thing arguably that we remember as humans is story, whether it's through oral or through song, there's, there's, there's a reason that, that we remember that over arguably almost anything else. I'm, I'm going to start to list off a bunch of books that continue to just <laughs> drive home the point that you just made. Yeah. One is the uh, one is um, the storytelling animal by Jonathan Gottschall, which is a fantastic book because it says this, it makes the argument that our brains receive story in a very different way than we receive information, uh, different parts of our brains. In fact, with the discovery uh, of mirror neurons, it's essentially we, we learn and also we learn through fMRIs uh, through these brain scans that can show us that a different part of our brain is lighting up with activity when we receive information with this dramatic arc, with this deeper emotional connection, and we're playing it through in our heads. We're actually playing through these characters in the development in our heads, we're right there with you. And we become actually connected uh, through that story, uh, starting to feel the same things. And that's so mm. deeply humanly powerful. Second book, I when uh, thinking through what you're saying is a book by Sam Hamm, who comes from the National Parks kind of context of the United States. And he comes from this movement called interpretation, interpret the kind of the interpretation movement, which is asking the question, what the heck are we doing when we're looking at all of these trees mm -hmm. and looking at canyons and looking at all of this stuff? Like, what, as, what am I as, an art, as a park ranger doing with my guests? How am I connecting them with this place? And, and interpretation theory has evolved to essentially just ask us, like, how are we making a difference with our people? And Sam Hamm wrote a book called Interpretation, Making a Difference on Purpose. And he says, first of all, you've got you've to be purposeful. In other words, you've got to start at the end and say, what like you said, what lesson do I want to get out? What do I want my guests to get from this moment of me opening my mouth? And, you know, there's a lot of different metaphors for, for thinking through what that looks like practically. What kind of lesson? It might just be, what do I want them to feel at the end of this and working backwards from that? It might, you know, uh, Carl Jung, talks about the archetypes that live inside of us because as human beings we've responded in a similar story-based way to life uh, for tens of thousands of years and so these the, the, you know, the voyage, the, you know, the voyage outward and the return, the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. the, it's the Joseph Campbell kind of yeah. uh, idea that that deep within us is something that connects us all with as humans uh, on this kind of narrative level, which 
create these standard structures we can apply to. But uh, the final book <laughs> that I'll recommend is this book called The Science of Storytelling by Will Storr, and just came out in just came out in March 2020. And what he did was say, take a moment and just relax. Storytelling is really about adding coherence onto the chaos of material. And so you can really ask yourself on a really basic level, you don't have to say, I've got to plug into the ancient archetypes of humanity. Really, it's just about why is this a coherent whole of what I'm saying? And what that does is it anchors whatever you're building on a, as a structure on kind of like a, a foundation, like think of it like an iceberg. What's under the water as you talk everything that your guest sees, what's secretly underwater. And for Sam Hamm, he says, think about it in terms of the emotion you want people to feel. It could be patriotism or fear or thirst. And imagine telling a story in which my basic theme is thirst. In other words, I... I don't, I don't feel satisfied. I feel, I feel hungry for something more. And let's say I'm talking about a food tour. Well, thirst certainly figures in because I want to eat, I want to drink something. But thirst on a more kind of emotional level. In other words, the people that came out here to this town, everyone brought something brought something from home to comfort them, but then set out to prove something. They were thirsty for more. They were hungry for more. And behind this baklava and behind this slice of pizza is just the dream of how good life could be. And it meant giving up everything else that was comfortable, which made this pizza mean something more than it ever did back in Italy. This pizza tasted better here because it was the taste that connected them with their mothers and their grandmothers that they left and connected them with the hunger they had for life itself out here in the Western frontier. Now, listen, I'm making that up on the spot. So it's not like this perfectly formed story, but I think you get that I'm opening my mouth and I'm telling the story of the immigrants that make up this town, but I'm actually trying to make sure that what I'm saying is connecting on a basic fundamental level that you and I both connect with because we woke up one day and wanted to be something more than yeah. who we were. And I wager to say everybody has that moment in their yeah. lives. And that's, that's, that's a powerful way of, of thinking about what we're doing when we're communicating with people on tour. And that was a great, like, that was a really, really, I, I know you made it up on the spot, but that was a solid example of story that's deeply rooted in a, a deeper philosophical a reality that we all experience and it it arguably it made me already think differently about pizza so it's that's got the transformation part in there too with the lesson of like oh shit I, I never looked at pizza that way before but there's so much more that went into this than just the you know whatever three dollar slice of pizza so um it's a, yeah. it's just a solid example of of all of those things being woven into one very very tight concrete um look at what that is you know and then let's say that's my story and you might ask yourself well you know where's that going where do i conclude and sometimes people overthink their conclusions and their introductions just be a human about it i might end that story about pizza telling the story of you know a man let's call him carlo but uh, you know I'll, I'll i'll say this for for carlo it was it was pizza that reminded him of home and got him through the hard times what is that food for you? 
Mm. And just just leave it at that, you know, that leave, leave it at that. Let that waft in the air and then let let that open question that's connecting on a very nostalgic level with your guest. Let that question do everything else. Don't mm -hmm. don't be don't be ham fisted. Don't say I often see so people trying to. I see guides are opportunity to be like, this is so beautiful, isn't it? No, if it's beautiful, then maybe your job as a storyteller is to recite a quote about these woods by John Muir, and then letting the guest go and connect with it on that human level without you having to say, aren't these trees tall? Aren't these trees beautiful? Isn't this so quiet? How can I create the conditions so that your guest has that experience themselves personally, rather than you them just listening to you tell them something they already know? That's one thing that I will speak from a marketing perspective. When we study marketing, one thing that has come across in numerous lessons, conferences, courses, whatever, is that it is near impossible to tell someone you need to have this epiphany. You have to lead them to that epiphany, but you have to let them have it on their own. And I think that speaks to what you're saying here is you got to let them have their own experience with this. You can't just tell them, appreciate this. It's beautiful. <laughs> you got to lead them to it and then let them find their own reasons why that is true. Um, yeah, really good example. It's the old uh, show don't tell yeah. uh, philosophy of writing yeah. and marketing and everything. Absolutely. Mitch, let's, um, I know that this, uh, this probably, if you're listening to this, I'm sure this is, is probably become a two-parter at this point or a three-parter, depending on where you started with, with Mitch and I, um, I'm going to, we've, we've kind of gone down this path that I think has been fantastic discussion along, Hey, what are some of the deeper set, uh, realities that a lot of tour operators might miss, uh, in the, in the way that they design their experiences. I'm going to bring this back to, uh, what are just some, some of the bigger mistakes um, that we've seen that more tangible? So coming back to what are either things we've experienced or bigger mistakes that uh, we've seen in some of our, our tour operators, anything left on your side that you wanna make sure you really touch on, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, again, I blame you for bringing out this philosophy side of me uh, this and this is, deeper this side because- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will take full uh, of that, that, yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, I think some of that stuff ends up becoming the most practical because when I've worked with operators on this level where we really just dial into kind of the, the deeper the deeper aspects of storytelling that they're doing. And then they watch the review problem get solved because you're giving them something to sink their teeth into to remember, to fixate on a wow story and a wow moment. And, and, and then they watch as they realize that it's no longer this fight at the end for the right script and speech to get the best, you know, to get them to review you. They want to, mm -hmm. they go home and they want to tell everyone else how great that was. And we know that we know that, when that does work, we feel really good. It's just like you had said, it's about being intentional about the design of these things like the tour end and these moments on the tour uh, to elicit that because it really does work. So I do wanna say there is a world in which what we were talking about is actually quite practical. Um, I will say this, there's a lot of options out there for the way in which you operate as an operator. And I, I wanna be clear that every platform that you're listed on, every way that you market, there's a product fit for that platform. And I often see an operator listing on Viator and Expedia and tours by locals and advertising directly. And it's essentially the same tour. 
It's the mm. same thing. Or Airbnb experiences. Uh, and everyone has a personality, has a customer. And you do want to make sure that you're tailoring what you're doing to be speaking to those different kinds of customers in those different kinds of channels. And that's something that I come up with that I come across very often uh, because in this world where you know, our distribution channels are quite diversified to make our ends meet. And I think of a, an operator I've been working on, uh, been working with where she, she's listed on tours by locals. Well, that's a private, that's a private customer. She's a tour operator, but there she's an individual. Mm. You're listed on that platform as an individual. And those are, those are higher end private customers that want a private exclusive experience. And that's a very different kind of tour than Airbnb experiences. And when I was talking to her, she was, she was offering the same thing on Airbnb experiences as she was on tours by locals and had it listed on Viator in the same exact way. Mm. If you're a mass market listing in which you have 375,000 other uh, products that you're competing against and customers are very price focused, then you're going to want to make sure that the tour that you're offering is competing on price because that's what the platform is, 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 is validating as a mm. valid criteria for selection and your brand isn't coming through that much. It's very, and so what, what, what should you be focusing on? Well, price and value and your product photography, because that's your one chance mm -hmm. to kind of shine. Very different than what your Airbnb experience looks like. It's very different than also how you're selling direct on your own website and being very clear and very intentional about the story that you're telling uh, through each of those, each of those channels uh, is, uh, is crucial. I would add to that point, And I totally agree with you. I would add to that point that when you're on these platforms, because there's so many options out there, you need to be very cognizant that you, you only have a few seconds to show people how you're unique or how you're different or why they should pick you. So don't expect to write paragraphs and paragraphs of text and that everyone's going to read that. The reality is, is take those paragraphs and you essentially have to boil it down into one or two, well, let's say two or three key sentences in the beginning that, um, that showcase why they should pick you over everyone else. Uh, that's something that we definitely learned over time was no one's going to read everything you've got, especially on those platforms, uh, because there's a million options they have to go through to assume that they're going to be making decisions in two seconds. Absolutely. Uh, one, one of the operators that, uh, that I've worked with, he, he, he's had actually great success creating a Christmas lights tour of Salt Lake City. And I looked at his Viator listing and I realized he had this phenomenal photograph of uh, the Christmas lights, but it was the fourth photo in his slideshow of five, mm -hmm. of five images. I said, number one is where almost all of your customers are going to leave you, yeah. right? Because that's, that's actually a mediocre photo. So getting that, getting outside of your world and just asking anybody else, what do you think of my listing? Is this attractive to you? Are, am I using active words? I mean, it goes to copywriting, which, you know, I know you're passionate about, but product photography is so crucial oh, huge. and under, understanding that, understanding that, uh, uh, you can have the best tour in the world and excellent reviews, but you've got to catch them in the way that they're looking on those platforms. There was a, an analogy that uh, a marketing mentor <laughs> told me once that kind of hit home. He said, what you're doing, and this is, this is pertaining to product photography or the front facing thing that you put out there. He said, if you're not putting your best thing out there, what it's kind of like is like you going to shop for a car at all these different car lots and you go to a car lot and they're like, oh, well, we know that you're probably interested in the high-end car, but we've got this version that's, you know, three cars lower than that. This is kind of the, let's say the Toyota Corolla that 
uh, why don't you just drive this car and imagine what it's like to drive the nice car? Like you would never do that. You want to, if the customer's coming to you for the best experience, give them like, give them that up front. Don't expect them to dig deeper and be like, oh, I'm test driving a crappier version of this. And maybe I'll imagine what it might be like to have a better version of this with you. You gotta, you gotta wow them right off the bat and give them your best. Like, yeah. Like I said, right off the bat, give yeah. them the best up front. I, I, I learned, I learned that my, in my own way, when I was offering a food tour and I, um, had a really fantastic story that took 10 minutes and it was being lost on them because they were on a food tour and immediately they wanted to eat. And mm -hmm. all they had to do was give them a slice of pizza first. And then I could tell that story and they were all yeah. ears. And so give them what they want right off the bat. And it makes all of the rest very easy. And yeah. if it's a luxury tour, just get, get some chocolates and begin with a chocolate, you know, mm -hmm. begin with something It does. You don't need to overthink it, but uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, that's the physical version of having a fantastic photo at the beginning. It makes yeah. all of the other bad photos uh, forgivable. I will say this too. One, one of the, we're talking about mistakes. One of the things, as soon as I took over from my parents that I saw, this is on the resort side. Um, we didn't have amazing photos. And what I learned from one of the, the higher end resorts that I talked to, he asked me a very, very important question. He said, well, who's the audience you want to go after? Like ideal scenario, who's the audience you want to go after? And I said, well, we're not anywhere near this, but if I could pick, I'd love to go after like millionaire families coming from overseas, coming from Europe to come stay with us. And he said, have a hard look at your website and ask yourself right now, is that going to attract that audience? And immediately I knew without even looking at the website, there's no way. Like our photos are just whatever we happen to snap on at that time, essentially a point and shoot camera. And immediately I went to my parents, my parents started this resort. So they obviously had a, a stake in it. And I went to them and said, Hey, I'd like to take some high-end photos. And I got shut down. Uh, they were like, well, we have photos. Why do we need like to sp spend this money on higher end photos? And so I felt pretty strongly about this. What I ended up doing was finding a photographer, a high-end professional. And in this case, I was going for a high-end real estate photographer, somebody that photographed four millionaires and said, hey, um, listen, I'll pay you. At that time, it was everything that was in my bank account. I had just, just come back from a trip uh, through Central Latin America and I had essentially no money to my name. So I had 500 bucks in my bank account. I gave this photographer 500 bucks and I said, I'll pay you this now. I'll let you stay with us for as long as you want at the resort. You can bring your friends, stay as long as you want. And then I'll pay you um, once these photos are developed and once um, like over, over time we came with a payment plan. And that's what we did. I, I put a, at, the, at that point now, it seems like not very much money, but at that point it was everything I had. And we took these super high-end photos and we still, to this day, we still use those photos. Um, as a draw. And if you're looking for, okay, well, what was the result of that? A year, almost the day, a year after he took these high-end photos, we actually, we booked our first multimillionaire from Europe to bring his family over Christmas and come and stay with us. And to me, that was a, that was a defining moment. We're like, this, this is important. This matters and it works. Um, and luckily that wasn't the last time we had a, a high-end guest as a result of of focusing on the, the visual upfront, um, what people are looking for. And, and what did that begin with? Not just, I need better photography, but who is my customer mm -hmm. and how can I 
reverse engineer photography that appeals to them. Yeah. And I see a lot of websites and photographs that are trying to be everything to everyone. Where uh, I worked with an operator who was offering uh, uh, luxury European riverboat cruises and uh, student tours to Washington DC on the same website, on the same mm -hmm. homepage with the same, with the same company name. Now that's an exaggerated example, but you can't have kids splashing at the pool with mom and dad uh, smiling at each other uh, while at this and, and expect that, you know, um, a billion, a billionaire from Dubai is going to say that's, that's the resort mm -hmm. I want to stay at. You need to, you need mm -hmm. to decide and then market to them or at least create landing pages. I mean, the power of a landing page is that <laughs> you think of it as a place to land for different you know, different ads that you run. So yeah. it doesn't mean you need different brands and different websites necessarily, but where are they landing on your website and make sure you're speaking to them directly. It's marketing 101, but I often see uh, the message being lost in the multitudes of customers the operator is trying to attract. We've seen that too. And I, I've definitely advised this. I've gotten this question quite often and I'm sure you have as well, which is, okay, we're, cause I, I will say, Hey, you need to niche the audience you're going into. And they say, well, we have a number of niches. So how do we project this on our website? And I have often said, you need to have two completely different websites. Um, or to your point, at the very least, you need to have two distinct landing pages. You can't, yeah, you can't market to both at the same time effectively. Can you do it? You can do it. Can you do it effectively? I would argue no. Um, yeah, and it, it comes down to just you know <laughs> the involvement. Of course, ideally, I often want to tell people you need three websites for these oh. three businesses or whatever it is, and that's a hard pill to swallow at the beginning. So it's sometimes yeah. it's trading wheels and saying, well, let's just create some, let's buy domains and redirect them to different individual pages on your oh. one website that you have right now. So you, at least you can tell people to go to luxuryriverboateurope.com, and at least it then takes them to a specific page on your website yeah. so that at at least in your advertising, they feel targeted. And then from there, we'll, 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 we'll continue the journey, but that can't, it just can't be your homepage because what you end up doing is, is alienating everybody. Even that, like we saw that as a mistake is in the beginning, when we were running ads, we would run all ads to our homepage. And mm. it didn't take me too long to realize not as a result of my own epiphany. I don't think I'm that smart. I, <laughs> it's a learn this from somebody else um, that said the same thing. Hey, you can't run this all to your homepage. Your homepage, there's a million buttons on your homepage for different demographics. You need to route them to a landing page that speaks to them directly. And that's, that's essentially uh, what we've done ever since is route them to, to another landing page. So, um, Mitch, I know we got to wrap up here soon. Uh, <laughs> we did mention at the beginning of this podcast, this might go longer just because we're both so passionate about some of these topics. Let's do a, a quick fire round. Um, let's say two minutes. Any last kind of examples or mistakes that you want to want to make sure that we're touching on before we wrap up here? You know what? I think we've been, we've been on a pretty major journey in this discussion it's i i love coming on here because i love talking to you because we we just go really interesting places uh but i i do want to reiterate that so much of the drama of running the business happens because we keep it trapped in our heads find a trusted partner that you can discuss bounce ideas off mm -hmm. of whether they're in the industry or not and then make sure you recognize when you do have a block on this journey that 
you use somebody else to help you break through it because you can. So much of this is emotional and mental and related to motivation, where it's really easy to reach a wall and, and shut down or to say, all right, I'm done. And you know, it's called the breakthrough because you have to break through. <laughs> you have to, you need something to break yeah. through to. And so I really do want to encourage just everyone and anyone, not only listening to this podcast, joining Tourpreneur, those types of things, but finding that confidant or better, a business coach or better when you do have the money, you know, a marketing agency. The power of that is simply that you have people with a track record that can really pull all, and I'm not a marketing agency, so I'm not touting myself, but I'm, you know, my point is that they can bring all of that experience to bear to offer targeted advice. And there's a huge power in that versus the DIY uh, approach, which is great up, up to a point. And, you know, uh, on, on that, on that level, you and I aren't, smart we've just tried a lot of things and that's mm -hmm. what i really appreciate about you and so our discussion is rooted in these these being real things that we've done but also uh, another thing that i think i appreciate about you is that both you and i read outside of the narrowness of our industries partially you've naturally you naturally can do that because you run a resort and motorcycles and have done all sorts of things but similarly i bring you know i i'll, I'll read a book about a composer uh and it'll give me thoughts about mm -hmm. my uh my my tour business or my training business and i i think there's so much value to making sure that you don't pigeonhole yourself, only reading business books, only thinking about the tour industry or your experience industry, wherever you're in, uh, but reading other things and reading widely and interacting widely, because that's often where I've noticed that I have the sparks and the creative, the creative breakthroughs that have, you know, uh, encouraged me to innovate. That's a really, really um, key point to touch on is just that outside reading. I had a conversation with a client who runs a fairly large operation, $23 million operation. And he said, rather than the tangible thing, the tangible tool that you, that's being talked about in the industry listening to, let's say a podcast on that or reading a book on that, I would actually rather watch or listen to a podcast where Tiger Woods talks about how he executes the perfect putt and the, the strategy he used to, to practice that. I will get more out of that than I will out of something that is very industry specific because at that high level, it's borrowing what, what are, what are the pros doing? What are people that have really figured out uh, excellence in their field? What's something I can borrow from them and bring to my field. So that's a really key point. So to that note, as we wrap up, we've alluded to this a few times. Let's, let's do the grand reveal here. Let's talk about what you're working on, Mitch. Um, I'll do a minor intro, but I'm not going to do the justice to what you've been working on in the same way that you will. So I'm going to lead it over to, to you. Um, but just to, just to share what Mitch has been working on that I'm excited about, uh, essentially Mitch has been working on a platform that is an open platform for tour operators to come and learn from individuals that have actually done what they're teaching you. So this is primarily from individuals often in the tourism industry um, or people that have worked with individuals in the tourism industry to get uh, results that have been recorded and established. And this is not at, in any way theory. Um, and then within this, this sense of uh, offering up this platform for courses, there's also, there's a lot of community aspects to this that don't exist um, in other, anywhere really else in, in this in industry that I've seen. Key one of those is just 
um, forums, being able to go and it's beyond a Facebook group. It's being able to, to uh, ask questions around specific topics and see what other people in the industry are saying to that topic around the world. So you have opportunity to learn from operators in Australia, Africa, Dubai, like any, anywhere you can think um, is where you're getting that. So I'm, I am ridiculously interested in this, this platform and the fact that you're opening up this initially for free um, is pretty amazing. It's a no-lose opportunity and there's, there's so much value that you get out of this. It's an absolute no-brainer on my side to, to delve deeper into this. Um, I've done all of the alluding to it without actually describing the name. So I'm going to pass it over to Mitch so he can correct me on anything I've messed up on and also just go deeper into this topic. Um, and then we'll put links in the bio. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Eric. I mean, listen, I hope the big reveal now was worth it because we've been teasing, teasing, teasing it out for a couple of hours. But really, I do think it's going to be transformative because it's open and because it's a learning platform that is based with uh, based on operators packaging together their wisdom that comes from real practical experience and not kind of the normal course that we've all done for years, which is taking a general social media course or trying to find advice or things on YouTube that aren't tailor made to our industry and therefore take a lot of tinkering or misapplication before we start to understand how it can work in the specificities of what we do as operators, as guides, as experienced hosts, as tourism professionals. And so it, 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 was, it was a project that has grown out of what I do as a training company, which is you know train tour guides and help entrepreneurial tour operators grow their businesses. And in the online world, we learned that community matters, that live classes matter in conjunction with the sort of stepped LMS style Udemy kind of learning. And that all of that really can be packaged together to create a to create a compelling environment in which we can come together in a very targeted way to discuss and to, and to learn. And so really, you know, we're calling it a social learning platform and the name of it is Campfire because really for us, it's a nice, warm, cozy, friendly place that we can all gather around. And I mean, I'm incredibly thankful to Eric. Like I said, we're, we're giving it away. We don't know what it's going to become. It's just been an experiment in bringing people together to learn. And Eric has so much fantastic content that he's offering that we're offering on the platform itself as well uh, when it opens. And more than that, it's a place where we have a job board that is, is only experienced tourism professionals often operators who could help you solve a problem for a couple of hundred dollars without you needed to go and find on Upwork or Indeed somebody who then you have to explain what the heck you do before they can even solve your problem. It's solving problems by operators for operators in an environment where we can also discuss around courses, around videos, webinars, whatever it is bringing people together, even with even just something stupid, like a shared calendar for the industry, where we can look at all of these free webinars and sessions and conferences that are being offered around the world and, and say, I want to know what's going on in our industry. And so naming it Campfire means it's not associated with my company per se. It's just out there open to content creators of which you, a listener, might be one. If you are interested, mm -hmm. I mean, shoot me an email or reach out because what we want to do is also offer passive income to operators when uh, it is a course that 
that should be sold and you should you, you should receive side income off of this. But I think that's such a valuable way to expand not only how you out there in the audience can participate in this industry with your with your your knowledge, uh, but also earn a side income off of it. And it's a model that works in so many other industries. And for example, you know, I, I noticed this in the educational world where teachers were selling their lesson plans to other teachers online. And I mean, sure, you've been a teacher for 20 years. You've got a lot of good material. Why not offer it to the world, make everyone else better, uh, but also earn a little side income off of it. And so it was that kind of spirit of giving back to the community, letting the community learn from each other, but centralizing the conversation and the discussion uh, in sort of a non-denominational unbiased way that allows us all to connect uh, in a more targeted and deeper way. And, you know, Facebook is great for a big forum, but even like Tourpreneur, the minute you want a specialized discussion of something, you've got to search in the group, you've got to piece it together through a lot of different threads. And so really we wanted to design something that, uh, that, that works in coordination with some of those bigger Facebook groups, but also is centered around learning and sharing around those around that learning together. So we're very excited by the possibilities of it. And the fact that we're building just a coalition of people that are also passionate about it to develop it together and grow it as something really that the industry needs and isn't being, you know, we're not forcing it on the industry. We're just responding to needs that mm -hmm. we all have. No, that's, that's incredible, Mitch. And I do think that the, uh, the build up to this was was worth it because this is a platform. There's no reason not to go check it out. Um, you, you you can get on there for free and check out what we've got. Um, for any of those that are listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely have listened to previous episodes. I have taken the last decade of my life, what I've learned about marketing as it pertains to tourism, and I've put that into a course and we've decided to offer that for free just because of the nature of everything that's going on right now, pandemic, COVID, and then also just coming into Christmas, we thought it might be a nice little Christmas gift. I am by no means the only reason that you should go and visit this platform. There's a million other um, amazing, both, both course providers, and then uh, also just all the other things Mitch just mentioned. There's a, there's a million reasons to go and, and get involved with that community. So go check that out. Mitch, where can they find this amazing new platform? What's the, the, uh, website URL that I should be checking out? To be clear, it's it's a baby being born. And so we're not quite at a million yet, uh, okay. but we're going <laughs> to be, you know, it's it's going to continue to grow as people reach out and say, hey, I'd love to, uh, I, I'm, I'm good at this and I'd love to share my knowledge in whatever way and vice versa. So the website is campfire.travel. Easy, simple. Awesome. Awesome. Campfire.travel. Uh, just so you guys know, we will be putting that as a primary link in the description. I'll also be including links to uh, get in touch with Mitch directly, as well as references to anything else we talked about in this podcast, whether it was books or just resources, you'll find the links in the description there. So go check it out in the description. Happy to uh, have you on, Mitch. Really glad that we had a chance to have this discussion. And as always, uh, it was a real pleasure just talking through all these items. Who knows, this, this might not be the last because we always have a good discussion every time you come on. It's the mark of a good host that I leave always wanting more <laughs> because there have been interviews where I say, all right, that's done, moving on. <laughs> so uh, kudos to you for just putting out so much goodness. And I, I mean, I, I can't say this enough. You've gone above and beyond in taking this moment. I, and by no means do I ever think this course should be offered for free forever. But at this moment, it's, I think, you know, such a great act of generosity to just offer something um, 
something helpful for the community that has bottled so much creativity. What I love about the techniques that you've been doing are not only that they are very practical and focused in reality, but more importantly, they are creative, they're innovative, they're really interesting, and, and I love your creativity. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Mitch. Really appreciate that. All right. We're wrapping up this episode. Thank you for listening to both of us. And we can't wait to see you in the next episode of Tourism Marketing Mastery. All right. There you have it, guys. I want to give you a couple of quick updates uh, regarding both the course that I'm giving away as well as campfire.travel. So first and foremost, campfire.travel Unfortunately, the site has been delayed just by a couple of weeks. So when you go there, you will have an opportunity to not register for my course just yet. You're going to have to uh, put your name and email address in and you will be notified when the site launches. The second part of this is this course is not going to be free forever. It's a $4,000 course. It is a primary revenue earner for us. I really just wanted to open up this as a gift to anyone in the tourism community and as a gift to anyone that listens to my podcast. So that course is only going to be available for three months following the initiation of campfire.travel, at which point uh, it's going to go back to a paid course again. So if you want to get in, get in now, go register now and go and get it while it's still free. All right. Hope to see you over there and also see you in the next episode of Tourism Marketing Mastery.